All right, welcome back to Black Women Voices. This is your girl, Dr. K. This is Valerie J. Thompson. All right. (laughs) Welcome to episode eight of Black Women Voices. This week, Dr. K and Valerie are tackling the topic of other mothering and being a mom in higher education. This week, we are joined by two guests. Dr. Tierra Lander is a wife and mother of two boys. She is a higher education professional specializing in diversity and inclusion work at the University of Oklahoma. As a mother scholar, her research interests center around mothering, black women and women of color in leadership and qualitative research. In her spare time, she enjoys reading and watching movies. Our second guest is Tiffany Tuma, an imported Georgia peach by way of Raleigh, North Carolina. A true sweet tea drinking, Baptist church going, trap music listening, soul food eating Southern Belle. She's a wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, soror, and mentor. Tiffany loves helping others and is an avid Law & Order SVU watcher and enjoys spending quality time with her family and friends. Tiffany is also passionate about educating students to help them make meaningful contributions to our ever-changing society. She lives by the quote, service is the rent we pay for being. It is the very purpose of life and not something you do in your spare time by Marion Wright Edelman. Professionally, Tiffany Tuma serves as the Coordinator of Student Conduct and Community Standards and is a Deputy Title IX Coordinator at North Carolina Central University. Mrs. Tuma has a background in counseling and has seven years of experience in higher education. Tiffany has a calling for holistically developing students while they they grow academically and personally. She takes pride in being a visionary for student success is an innovator of creating co-curricular experiences, and is a dedicated student advocate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. I'm Tierra Lander. I um, work, I'm a director of uh, campus and community engagement for um, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion at the University of Oklahoma. I am um, a wife and a mother. I have two children, two children, two boys, uh, one is three and one is four months, so I'm very busy and very sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the podcast. I um, got my doctorate at Kansas State University, so um, pretty much I'd, I'd call myself a Midwesterner now. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, so I'm definitely a, a Air Force brat. But but I think you know now I claim Oklahoma is home, which kind of makes my parents cringe but they'll be okay um but yeah I'm excited to have this conversation I think yeah we get around we talk about mothering and other mothering a lot in our spaces but I don't I don't know if other folks see it the same way as we do so yeah I'm excited to get into it awesome awesome yeah so Tiffany Tuma I work at North Carolina Central University I'm the coordinator of student conduct and community standards, also a deputy Title IX coordinator. Um, I actually claim Augusta, Georgia, and Raleigh, North Carolina as my hometown. I spent equal amount of years there growing up, so back home in Raleigh with family. Um, and I have to say, to be honest, I have, in all of my professional experiences, I have been an other mother, but I never knew that it was a scholarly thing that there was a a scholarly or academic type definition um, until recently. I'm like, oh, wow, I've been doing this, but I never knew that there was a name for it. Um, So I just started doing more research. And um, Dr. K, this might be something that I want to, because of this podcast, dive a little bit deeper. Um, (laughs) When I go to orientation, I have to present um, several topics. And so this will be one of those topics I present. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. So I thank you all for this um, inspiration and um, making me want to research a little bit more and, and get real scholarly with it. So I'm excited. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So kind of with that, um, thinking about the roles that we do, um, as it relates to being black women um, in student affairs units or even in things that 
operate like student affairs. So like, how do you define other mothering? Like, what is, what do you feel is your kind of definition in terms of that? So um, when I think about other mothering, I think about creating a sense of belonging um, for the students, affirming them, letting them know that we're here for them. Um, We really want them to succeed and thrive, even though they're not like blood or related to us. Um, So that's what I think about. And a, a term we use in student conduct is others probably use it in different functional areas, but in loco parentis in place of the parent. So we have to use that, um, you know, in student conduct or in legal affairs, Title IX, but like, I really think about that phrase, like your parents, the student's parents are trusting us, you know, as long as they are are here, but I feel like um, I take it a little bit further. Um, You know, I found myself being a big sister, Um, I have a new nephew on campus. Um, So just these different titles that I've taken on in my role um, because their their parents are not here or their parents just kind of dropped them off. So, you know, those five days that I'm at work, you know, I'm an other mother. So just really affirming those students and letting them know that, you know, we're here for them and we care for them and we really want to see them succeed. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that definition. Um, I'd also add uh, or just pair it with like building a community. Um, I think one of the cool things about me having the background that I have is that we had to create a community wherever we went as as a military family. And so being able to, to help students understand that they have a community here and letting them find somebody that looks looks like them because that that's a big deal right like um mm-hmm. for those of it like i work at a predominantly white institution and it's it means something when you see somebody that looks like you and you see somebody that can um relate to your experience but also you know um i'm tiffany i, I think it's really funny that you you mentioned in local parentis because i often tell that to people like they're here in place of their parents like we are supposed to be I have to really think about how I'm supporting the student in a really meaningful way and think what would I do if how would somebody treat my child if they were on their on their campus right Right. um and so kind of putting that mindset forward when I work with students of like how can I help them um like their family and and treating them like that yeah that's you yeah because I always think about um kind of going off what both of you said, one, their parents are either dropping them off, leaving them here on campus. And for some of them, this is all that they, their parents is all that they know. And so it's a new space. And then it's, then I have to think about my role as a student affairs professional and what that really means. And so I do see myself as a mother to some, a big sister, auntie, um, a lot of those different titles. And, you know, it becomes very interesting after a while. Uh, but uh, Dr. Lander, you mentioned that you're at a PWI, and Tiffany, you're at a HBCU. So can you talk about how does other mothering, in your perspective, look different at an HBCU compared to a historically white institution? Well, I'd say, well, okay, I'd I'd say that it looks different. You know, a probably white institution, there might be. I don't know, a thousand black students on campus that are undergraduate students, depending on the the size of the institution. Um, and they're, you know, it's kind of reminding students that they're expected to behave a certain way and to act differently, right? So the kind of the idea of, you know, doing twice as much to get half, doing twice the work to get half as much. Mm-hmm. And so under having that cultural understanding really helps these students because some of these some of these folks are coming from predominantly black spaces into a predominantly white space and they don't know how to adjust. They don't know how to code switch. They don't there're just a lot of skills that they don't have. Like they may be good at school, but you know, they still don't really know how to approach their all of their professors. And um other mothering also comes with this idea that we have to we are other mothering but we're also other sistering we they big cousins we you know what i mean because (laughs) we (laughs) because you know maybe you know uh maybe we don't want to be considered like a mom just yet but when i was closer in age to them i felt like a big sister like okay you need to make sure you're doing x y and z um 
and so I, I think at a PWI, it's just, it's really interesting because they need to feel like there's a space for them. And so not only are we creating a space for, for black students, but we're also cultivating like this community that, that they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And, and then we also have some insider and, and um, cultural knowledge that their family may not have either. So having a doctor and being a black face is a big deal, right? Like my black students treat me differently than, than other students because they're like, man, you have a doctor. It's a, it's a big deal. Like they, I, I wouldn't dare call me by my first name, Wow. you know? Mm. So it's a different type of like respect. It's a different type of community. And, and so I think that that is, you know, like, like honoring that too, right? Like we, they're, honoring the idea that their parents have entrusted them to us and that I have to do the best that I can to make sure that they're successful. Um, and, and knowing that they're going to deal with racism in a very unique way that they may have never dealt with before. Right. Um, I just want to say that I definitely agree with that. My most previous institution, um, similar role, um, or similar title, I can't necessarily say similar role because I have more responsibilities um, at an HBCU, but when I was at a PWI in Georgia, um, other mothering looked very different, um, and I think it looked different because of the resources that we had. The students needed me, but I feel like at North Carolina Central, they rely on me, um, mm -hmm. so it felt very different. Um, I, no matter what type of institution I was at, or will be at, um, I will always go above and beyond for the students, but at the PWI, um, they didn't really need me as much. It was it was more of a, a big sister, I'm gonna check in with Mrs. Tuma every now and then. But these students um, at the HBCU where I'm at, um, like like they really, they really need me. Ms. Tuma, can you help me with this? And it's like, I'm going to help you, but I'm going to give you the tools. We're going to create a plan and then you're going to come back and see me because like, I can't just send you out in the real world. Your parents are not going to send you out in the real world and somebody's just going to continue to give you everything. So I'm going to help you because I feel obligated to help you. That's my personal responsibility going above and beyond my job. But you know, we're going to sit down, we're going to work this thing out. So I go from taking my coordinator, had off taking my Miss Tuma hat off to now I'm going to be big sis I'm going to be auntie and then we're going to figure this thing out so um I just feel like it it looks different just because of the resources the um, or the lack of resources and the challenges um that the various institutions face right and you know and that that makes sense you know thinking about the historical significance of HBCUs and kind of like the historical significance of historically white institutions and you know whether we think about their you know historical significance as it relates to slavery or the ways that you know segregation is kind of seeped in halls and in the walls you know we don't really have those types of conversations but I kind of want to go back to something that you all said kind of invoking kind of in loco parentis because as a field, you know, we talk about, oh, we shouldn't be that, you know, we are not the parents, we are the, the administrators, we're the practitioners. But I think something happens different as it relates to being women, kind of the intersectional piece, as it relates to being women and also as it relates to being black people. So I guess my question comes from how do we get the institution to understand the importance? Because here's the thing, like there are other people who are practitioners, but they don't practice in the same way that black women practice. So in thinking about the roles that we embody or that we take on as other mothers, how do we get the institutional support and institutional buy-in to understand that although we're not parents and we're not trying to step into the role of that, but there's something that our students need from us that operates as an other mother. Well, yeah, that's a deep one. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> when you bring in the, the, the concept of the institution, now it's like, yeah, okay. Right. All right. Right. Because institutionally, you know, we show up, you know, there's this institutional expectation. Well, what, what do they think that we need to be when we step in there? And also what do our students need us to be, right? So in thinking about that role of an other mother, 
what does that, how do we get the institution to understand to whether that's to pay, to accommodate and help in terms of, listen, if, if I'm other mother and I'm loving on these students till 11 o'clock at night, how do I get the institution to understand that I'm not just playing, I'm also supporting mm -hmm. and loving on them right. and pushing them and encouraging them. So how do I under, how do I get the institution to understand my role as an other mother and to validate and or support? Or is that even a thing? Like, is that something that we can expect? It is. I don't think that we expect it overnight, but I think a way that we do it is that by having spaces like this, like a podcast, it's women talking about their experience. Like, no, I am other mothering and I do it Tuesday through Thursday. Like I'm always at the, you know, at work, I'm always working with students. I'm texting students, making sure they have this, I'm, you know, doing those types of things. Um, so one, all of us are either have doctorates or going to have doctorates on this podcast, right? So creating research and scholarly support that says this is what we're doing because unfortunately that is what a lot of these folks are, are paying attention to. But then also finding the people on your campus that are willing to make, create new policies, willing to look at what are we asking? What are we asking our, on our annual evaluations? Are we talking about service? Are we just talking about wow. service um, for faculty? Are we talking about service for staff? does that even is it weighed the same amount right because that should it, it needs to count for something right because i i'm supporting students 24 7 and so and so down the hall is doing their regular eight to five and i'm not even right. you know what i mean talk about like self-care and the you know the time that i'm spending with my students is taken away from my family and the, you know what i mean so what is that you know how how am i being how is my, how am I being compensated fairly for my time? I mean, all of these things add up and, and should be um, accounted for that I don't think that I know are not <laughs> accounted for. But I think we definitely, we definitely have to, I mean, this is a step, right? Because you can turn this, look, Dr. Hat, you can turn this into a, into a study in itself, this podcast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right. You talk. It's it's happening right now, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I think those are some starting points. Yeah, and and real quick, so like you, you said something, Doctor Landed, like when you talk about compensation, and we we as Black women, we do this. This is what we do. And what's interesting is that, in my experience at uh, historically white institution, if if a if a Black student is going through something. Who is the first person they're gonna call to send them to? Me. You, uh, me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's <laughs> how in, in, in the same token they can say that we need to practice self-care better, we need to balance better, so and so is not doing this. But then as soon as the black student is in need, they send them to us. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and what are the and what are the implications of that right, right. so you know that so and so they're yeah. not going to have to do that because like you like you said dr lander you know they're just doing their regular nine to five they're doing what they need to do but you have you know multiple students that are kind of coming in like an assembly line just coming you know and so mm -hmm. how does that emotionally and physically and spiritually impact um you I mean, especially, you know, not even talking about that your other responsibilities at home, you know, but personally, what does that do to you emotionally, spiritually and physically? I mean, you get you get wore down easily. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have guilt about what you're not doing at, at the job. Um, you know, emotionally, spiritually, I think the same thing that you're taking on your students issues like. And again, you want to love them like family and you do love them like family. But you also have to figure out how do you find some type of balance? Uh, because if not, I mean, I, I've seen, well, you've been at OU. We've seen a lot of people leave. Um, there's been a lot of transition. And it's been a lot of people of color, Black yeah. and other, other, other ethnic minorities, underrepresented folks. So, And some good folks. <laughs> and yeah, and people are tired. Mm -hmm. You know, so 
I, I, I mean, that's what you, you get burnout in, in short, <laughs> you get burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, what do you think? Yes. Yeah, so I definitely agree. Um, um, it can be very draining. Um, cause I have found myself many a day and night, um, staying late for various programs. Miss Tuma, if you love me, you would do this. Well, oh, I like, oh, no. I like you. I, I like you as a, as a person, but I love my husband and I love my baby. and I love my family, but I like you as a person and I can support you, but I cannot be at your play at Sunday at 8 p.m. because I commute and I live pretty far away from the job or I cannot be at your Greek life program on Wednesday at nine because I get off at five and you want me to stay or you want me to come back like it can be really draining and I had to just really just find a balance and I'm like you know I say out loud God you know family and work but is really not in that order. So it, it can be really hard. Then another piece I want to add, it can be hard when you pour into these kids, these students, our babies, our nieces, nephews, whatever we want to call them. And we have so many high hopes, we have dreams and goals, and it doesn't manifest like we want to. That can be very draining. And it's like, okay, I can't want more for you than you want for yourself. Come on. Right. You better Just preach a word right word. now. Right. <laughs> give you some offering. <laughs> right. That, and, and, and so, Tiffany, piggybacking off of you, we pour so much into these students, which um, it's a good thing, you know, so to speak. But who's pouring into us? It, it's like for me, I have this concept of a, um, uh, I call it a bottomless cup. And so if, if there's no, if the cup has no bottom, I can pour as much as I can into a student. It just, just drains out and nothing happens. But the foundation of that cup, when that cup has a foundation and I begin to pour and pour, it begins to pour over and overflow, and I may get some of that back. But we realize that a lot of our students don't have that foundation. They come to us for that foundation. And, and it can be exhausting. And, I mean, like you said, you know, you start off in your mind, intentionally you want to say God, family didn't work. But when life hits, that gets all mixed up. It does. And these students going through a lot. It's, it's, mm. Mm. it's yeah. a trying time to be a college student now, especially when you talk about mental health. Yes. Yeah. In that aspect. So that, whew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Touch the yeah. nerve. <laughs> and I, I just want to say this. <laughs> Dr. K, I know you always, you know, talk about, mental health you know for the staff and faculty and you know taking your mental health days and you know sick days and stuff like that and it's like I had to really get sick before I'm like okay I need to just like sit down like if I'm not well I you know that I'm not good to not only my students I'm not good to like my family but just to be like transparent you all um back in May I was at work with the flu I didn't know I had the flu. I had a fever. I had the chills. And I have a, I work in a two-person office. And um, my supervisor was not there. And I felt obligated to be there for these students because the office just couldn't run if nobody was there. In that same week, I had to take the GRE for this doc program. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just a hot mess. And one of our... Um, senior administrators was like, you need to go home. I'm, I'm making you go home. And the only reason I was, I stayed at home because one of the doctors on campus was like, if you have the flu, you have a fever and you have to be out for 24 hours. That was the only reason I went home, you all, because I thought that rule was just for children. And she was like, no, that's for anyone. And I was, like, I really didn't know that. Like, I was like, no, that's a child. They can't go to school or daycare because they have a fever. I didn't know that worked for adults. But self-care is real. And back in May was the first time in my two years being at this institution that I took a sick day that was not for a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or for my child. 
That was the first sick day I took wow. for myself wow. because I was like, I just, God made me sit down. Like I have to give you the flu to take a break. So. You'll do that. And listen, whether we in a two, two person office, one person office, five person office, 10, if, if we, if we die today, they will replace mm-hmm. us. I have said it. Yes. Come on. Without any hesitation. Come on. So we got to choose ourselves. Like, I'm right. serious about this. Like, um, last Friday of every month, everybody know I'm not going to be at work. Uh, it's my day to just, I go to therapy and do whatever else I do because if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for me. I got one life, one body. And mm-hmm. when I go, they, the job description is going to go right back up <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. going to find someone else. Keep running yourself down. <laughs> not, not today. <laughs> you won't right. do that. But that, but so that obligation that you talked about, Tiffany, leads me to um, where, where is this, this? Where does this expectation to be an other mother come from? Why do we feel like there's an expectation, there's an obligation for us to be more than just the affairs administrator that um, we are hired to be? Um, I just so. Going back to an earlier question about the uh, institutional um, obligation. So working at the HBCU, I think it's just an unwritten rule. Like we get there early, we stay late, we do whatever we have to do for our students. So I, and I can't speak for the other 105, but I feel like at my institution, that's what it is. Like it's, it's an unwritten rule. Um, but also I feel like this is an expectation that I put on myself and that's just, that's just how I was raised. Like it doesn't matter, um, what type of institution I was at. So when I worked in financial aid a few careers ago, um, when a student came in for one issue, I would look, say, let me see, do you, did you meet all the requirements for this year? What about next year? Because I did not want, um, one of the privileged students to call the president because little old me didn't check for something which they did not come in for. So, and that was at a PWI when I was in financial aid. And now being at the HBCU, I take it a little bit further, but again, that's the other mother in me. Um, Quick example, I had a young lady, she um, was in ROTC, she got into a verbal altercation with her roommate. Um, The young lady in ROTC had to get up early to go run. Um, and her roommate was coming in um, late, leaving the lights on, watching TV, just, you know, not abiding by the uh, roommate agreement. So I came in, heard the, the young lady side of the story. I gave her disciplinary warning, you know, no biggie. But when I started, I'm like, okay, we got that taken care of. How are you doing? How are your classes? She broke down and she was telling me that she wasn't doing well in one class because this ROTC class was at Duke and she only had 30 minutes to get from Duke to Central to get to her other class and parking and traffic, just a whole lot. So I was like, okay, you didn't come in here for this, but you let me know what was going on. Have you talked to your advisor? You did, nothing happened. Okay, at that point, I picked up the phone and explained the situation. Middle of the semester, you know, let's see if we can get this class changed. But that's not in my job description. I'm not an academic advisor. I'm not in RTC. I don't, that's, that's not my area, but the young lady opened up to me. So I felt obligated um, to do that. And it was, it was nothing. This is all a part of our conduct session because I'm, I'm like, to me, it's related. You're upset at the young lady for coming in late because you have to get up early to go all the way to, to Duke you know 15 minutes away for a class and, and running and all of this so I get it to me it was related I could justify having a longer meeting with this student so I don't feel like it's a institutional obligation again maybe an unwritten rule but that's just something that I have like it's a, a personal thing to me mm-hmm. um but I am learning you know boundaries like okay we're, we're, we're going too far I'm getting too deep you know, I'm, I'm, have learned to not overcommit myself, you know, it's nothing for me to make a phone call, but I can't, and I won't, you know, walk over there. I'm going to give you what you need and you can, you know, go wherever you need to go. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'd say I agree, Tiffany, that it is. It's also like a, a family obligation. I don't think, or family, a familial, like just something that I go back to. I recall like just growing up, we always had other people's children in our house. Like we were always babysitting yeah. somebody's kids. Yeah. I mean, we always had other people's kids. And so, and, and then also being a military kid, like your community is what you make it, right? So when I, I often find, seek community wherever I go. So for students, some students don't really know how to create that community. So trying to help them create that community, but also, um, I think it does, you know, when, when you're at a PWI, it does, there is a difference in like how your, how your students may be treated. And so when they come in your office and it's like, well, I'm really having trouble. I'm really stressed out because my semester, you, you know, they're going to have, I'm going to be taking all these classes. My advisor said, I need to take this class because of X, Y, and Z. And if it doesn't sound right, then you need to talk to the advisor. Well, you need to go talk to your advisor again, because this um, so kind of like troubleshooting for them or helping them troubleshoot, helping them navigate, you know, at a PWI, we also, well, at any institution, we have, a, we have our first generation students and they don't know who to ask. They don't have, you know, anybody at home to call to figure it, to help them figure it out. Um, and they may be going off of what their friend is saying, which we know your friends say a lot of things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. And half wrong. So, Exactly. So, so helping them, I think a big piece of it is helping them navigate higher education. Um, and so that takes, that takes a lot of time, but also, you know, we, we have insider knowledge. So helping them figure out who they need to call, who's going to get the answers, the answers that they need, um, and how they, and how to quote unquote, do things the right way too, so they'll know what to do the next semester so they don't have to continue to come back to you for the same things but to your point tiffany i think we also you know but then i ask a student like but how are you and then you get waterworks or you get you know <laughs> my apartment this my roommate you know and so we i think we a part of the other mothering is we care about the whole student and not just the academic side of of it that yes yes I'm gonna pass the offering plate on that one. That's it right there. That's it. Like, yeah, that's it. So yeah, so while while you know the academic advisor is worried about academic advising, we're worried about did you eat today? Are you sleeping okay? Have you drank water? It's a hundred degrees outside. You know that that other folks are just worried about doing their job. That is so true. Well, and that makes sense too. But you know, even kind of in, oh, I was like, am I muted? But, e but even in kind of thinking about the roles that we do to kind of support holistically, you know, but even, you know, even in higher ed, we talk about the whole student, but what does that really mean when they're students of color? Um, and connecting that to, you know, the ways that they succeed. So let's think about this idea of other mothering then. And how does that connect to, uh, student of color retention, recruitment, and success towards graduation. Like, where do you, where do you see other mothering fitting within that? I mean, I, I think I'd say it fits. Maybe that's the study. I, I think it fits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, other mother recruit recruitment, retention, and the other mothering. The role of other mothering in recruitment and retention. I think, you know, what we see is our students. We look back, even recalling my time as an undergraduate student in, in any getting any degree, I can think of, oh, this person really helped me. They were a Miss Driver, Miss Stephanie Driver was my academic advisor. And she sat me down my freshman year and went through my entire all four years. I didn't have to go back to her after that. I had my whole and then she said, well, you have enough hours to get a minor or a double major if you want to. But we can you know, you can leave those hours and you can do this, you know, you can get, take a, get a minor in French, you can do this. She had all these ideas. And not only would the Ms. Driver, you know, she wasn't just my academic advisor, but she was helping me dream, right? Because she was saying, well, you could do these. These are the options that you have. These are things that I didn't know. Before I came, I'm a first generation college student. Before I came to college, I thought that there were professors here. I didn't know I could stay here and keep working and do, you know, I didn't know that they had all these jobs and student affairs and all of that. So, you know, other mothering, I can point to certain women 
specifically black women and other and other women of color if i couldn't find a black woman that were supportive that were helpful that helped me matriculate and that's you know that's what other mothering looks like i mean i can remember recall somebody years ago that helped me right and that means something that right that really does mean something um, i i can't think of well, I don't think I had that in undergrad. I, I didn't, and, and I went to a, a predominantly white institution. I didn't have anyone that I could say kind of nurtured me and kind of said, hey, you, you may look different to them, but you matter to me um, type of situation. I didn't have that. But because I didn't have that, when I did get into student affairs, which I didn't know it was a field to get into, I made sure that there was not one student of color, especially a black student, that didn't feel like they didn't matter. And so for me, that's where that concept of other mothering comes in um, and focusing on all of who you are as a student, your academics, what's going on outside the classroom, whatever the case may be. Um, and I, I don't know if I can say it's an obligation, um, but for me as an expectation as it relates to student retention, persistence, and graduating these students and even beyond graduation, so. I, I agree with both of you all. Um, honestly, I never thought of it um, when it came to recruitment and retention um, of students, but th that's what it is, um, just plain and simple. Like when you make students feel like they belong here, no matter their uh, family situation, no matter where they're from, socioeconomic status, two-parent household, first-gen, any of those labels we put on those students, no matter what, where they're from, we, they come to us, we accept them, we nurture them, we make sure they have the tools that they need to succeed. And if they feel like they belong, they feel like they matter, um, then I, I think they're going to stay and they're going to graduate, they're going to get involved. And, and they're going to get out and get out on time because that's what matters um, in higher ed. You know, we have these four-year numbers and these five-year numbers. We don't try to look at the six-year numbers. We try to get them in and get them out and make sure that they have a good job because that's what looks good to the world. And I'm like, you know, people like us, we're going to go above and beyond. You come into my office, Miss Tuma, um, I'm hungry. Okay, well, do you need me to go swipe my card? I have some snacks. What do you need? Are you going to be able to get something to eat in a calf and make it to your class? You're talking about you want to pledge. What are these grades looking like? Oh, Miss Tuma, you can see my grades. I can see everything. So let's let's have a conversation about that. Um, you know, um, what else do they come in the office for? Just just a range of things. Like I had a young lady. She was pregnant. She came in for conduct issues. You're here for one thing, but did you eat? no you didn't eat okay well I'm gonna pull some chips and I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna get whatever I can in my little stash um, while you're sitting here for this meeting and then I'm gonna go get you a, a token so that you can go and get something to eat because it's like you, you can't function and you can't participate in class if your stomach is growling or you know you were up late because your parents were fighting or whatever the case may be those are extreme cases but those are real life situations that our students face so I think other mothering like you know we are it we are the unofficial recruiters and the um the, the retention folks on our campuses you're right mm -hmm. and, and and listening to you all um, talk in this conversation and so I'm really big on intersectionality and I'm, I'm starting to piece things together that other mothering is a is a is a practice of intersectionality because we're looking at every identity of the student not just what we see on the outside and that to me is is a direct impact of sense of belonging um, which then um, impacts retention and how they show up in the classroom outside the classroom and then graduate graduate um so yeah, that's really dope now that i think about it so i'm gonna have to do something with that uh but but keeping on the concept of intersectionality so looking at 
you, Tiffany, and uh, Dr. Lander, you, uh, you're doing the good work. You're Black women, and you're also mothers. You have children of your own. So when you talk about the intersectionality piece, what, um, what challenges, if any, do you face being a mother to your own children um, and working in higher education as a quote-unquote other mother? Well, um, I would say there are definitely challenges for me. Again, I stated earlier, in my two years being at North Carolina Central, um, I had to get the flu before I took the, a sick day. My sick days were for doctor's appointments and dentist appointments. Um, my vacation days were for my little ones, field trips and socials at school. I wanted to still be an active parent. Um, and I'm glad I did because I am grateful and thankful that I have a pretty flexible job that will allow me to leave in the middle of the day, take an extended lunch to go to the strawberry patch or pumpkin patch or wherever we're going for the day and be able to come back. Um, but then in that same breath, I feel like I can't get sick because my household won't run as smoothly. Um, you know, not saying that my husband can't take care of things around the house, but it's just, um, you know, I'm, I'm the glue. I'm, you know, I get everything laid out. Um, but working in higher ed, student affairs, you know, homecoming, you have to volunteer for all these late night programs. You're voluntold. You have to be here for this. I need to check my family's calendar to see what I can do. Hey, I need to stay late. Can you, you know, pick this up and pick that up? Cause I'm not going to be home, you know, till later. Um, also promotions and, and moving up um, because I am a mother and, you know, um, a wife, we're geographically bound for right now. So the, the upward positions are pretty limited to where we live. Um, something else I didn't think about until recently, the vacations that I have, I have to schedule them around times that we're, we're not in peak season. Um, you know, August is a blackout month, October, November, you have homecoming, you know, you, those sense. are times you, you know, you can't take, you know, vacations and things. So it's a lot to consider being a mother, working in higher ed, working in student affairs. So I'm trying to, so my students, my, you know, my nieces and nephews and, 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 and big kids, they're good, but then I have to worry about my little one and my husband once I get home. So it's a lot. I feel like there are a lot of challenges. But I feel like I'm doing pretty good thus far, you know, navigating these challenges. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I completely agree, Tiffany. I think it's um, it's really challenging. Uh, like I said, I have a four month old. So, um, yeah, I, I feel tired a lot of days. <laughs> um, but I think it, you know, mothering. One, I don't feel like there there may be a lot of us but it doesn't seem like it because not as many folks are talking about right. it. Right. So I have to go into a closed door meeting with someone and then say, and then say when I was pregnant, Oh, by the way, I'm expecting and I'll be out. Oh my goodness. And then there, you know, there's support in a private setting, but there's no discussion that isn't happening when you are like out and about. Right. So it's almost like, um, sometimes they treat it like don't ask, don't tell when you're talking about motherhood and academia. And then for a black woman, you know, we're already, we already have the challenges that we have is um, being racialized. <clears throat> but then when you add being a mother on top of it, you have to, you really have to figure out how you navigate things differently. What conversations, you know, you have or don't have. Um, and, and, and be able to balance balance if you can and I'm saying this with air quotes your home life and your work life and and you know I have a wonderful husband but I also you know there are some days when I'm like you know what I I I, I don't really want to be here my you know like what Beyonce said in homecoming like my body is here at work but my mind is is with my children right yeah and, absolutely. you know and and that's really it's really real because you know, and then I, I also had a different experience. So when I had my my oldest, I was a doctor 
doctoral student and I was a full-time student. And so I had a little bit more flexibility in terms of being able to see him more often. Of course, I was writing and all of that, but but it was I had more time and a little more freedom as well. Whereas now I have to be in the office at a certain time from, from uh, nine to five. I may have evening events. Um, and so with my second, I'm like, you know, I, if you get mommy guilt, right? I feel like, well, he does, I'm not, I may miss out on the certain things and he's not going to see me as much and all of those things. So I think, um, but the, the difference too is that I have a village here. So one of the reasons why we chose to move to Oklahoma is because my parents live here, my brother lives here. And so I, we have, we have family and my husband has an aunt and uncle that lives here as well. So we have a legitimate village of people that I trust my children with, you know, trust my life with that I know are going to take really good care of them. I know they're going to be loved. I know they're going to have fun. I know that they're, and at the end of the day, I'm still their mother, right? <clears throat> so I'm not going to be replaced after a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, right. and so, so knowing, knowing that too, I think, I think um, I've, it's just a, it's a constant, it's a constant balancing act. Um, but you know, similar to Tiffany, I feel like I'm doing okay. <laughs> no, no, both are doing you know? it and you're doing it, you know, and I don't have to, to know you personally to know that you're doing it. Um, so, and that comes, you know, I don't have any kids. All I have is a four legged, uh, son, uh, not married. So, and, and I'm thinking about, and I'm listening to you all talk and I'm, and I'm complaining about all that I got going on. I don't even have kids or you know, right? Like, oh gosh, what's gonna happen if that does come for me? <laughs> uh, so I'm taking notes. You know, I'm taking notes from from you from you all. But you know, you you're doing it. You know, um, and Dr. Lana, like you said, you know, having a village is is very um, is very important. You know, to have that support system um, mm-hmm. to be there for you. So yeah, y'all keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing it. So we um. We're, we're moving to our wrap-up questions. And so these are questions that we like to ask um, our guests um, just to kind of um, get a little more personality from you in a sense. So we have a Spotify where we have a playlist and we add songs that our guests recommend. And so what are some songs that you're listening to right now to kind of get you through that we can add to this playlist? Well... Okay, I have not seen the new um, Lion King yet, but I listened to the soundtrack <laughs> today. Okay. And um, there's a song on there, Bigger, that is about like, you know, like manifesting your goals and your dreams and like you're your, like just about like confidence. And I was like, I love this song. I need to listen to this every day. Like I need to listen to this before I work out. I need to listen to this, you know, before I go into a meeting, you know. Um, and so I'd say that song and then anything, any, anything by Lizzo. (laughs) Yes, that is my girl. Lizzo is everything. She is everything. Uh, I'm, I'm late to the Lizzo train, but I like her. I need to, uh, look into her, some more of her songs. I'm like, I've been seeing her all over social media and at these different like award shows and stuff so she has my attention i like her i like her mm-hmm. um dr k you already know what kind of train i'm on so um <laughs> um but it really just depends on the day what type of mood i don't really have like any playlist um at work i'm gonna put on pandora i have many different stations i have a a Vicky Winans station. I got a Fred Hammond station. Then I got Young Jeezy, and then I go to D4L, which is college. So it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in, and 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 all that good stuff. But um, I'm really having a hot girl summer. I like um, yeah. Megan The Stallion. Um, she's I don't know. She's she's fun. She's down to earth. I she I see her out here cleaning up beaches and trying to save the animals and I'm just like that is so cute and cool like I like you like she's just (laughs) real down to earth and she's trying to go to school and I'm like she is me I'm trying to go to school and work and be a hot girl with my husband like I get it like (laughs) so yes 
I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So kind of thinking about that. So what are you all reading right now? So I am real late. I've been reading Becoming for like a year or however long it's been out. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I try to have like, I to make sure I have me time every day, which I know people are like, how is that possible being a mom and working and da da da. But uh, at the end of the night, when I pump, I um, will try to read and read like, or read a chapter and drink my tea and try to have like 15 minutes to myself. Um, and so I'm working through becoming, but I'm also, if I'm not able to, re- but I also feel like, oh gosh, it's taking me forever. So I listen to audiobooks because I also, ha- I have a commute. And so I'm listening to The Sun is Also a Star and it is really good. Uh, that is one of my favorite books. That was, <laughs> I love that book. Okay, so I, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I'm only maybe like a quarter of the way through, but I'm like, this is such a good book. So, so I was gifted becoming, um, several months ago and have yet to open it up I'm so behind but I'm going to take a cue from your book and I'm going to I don't know about a chapter but I can do a couple of pages at night once everybody's in the bed I I really need to um to open it up I know it has been pretty inspirational for for everybody so I'm going I'm to take a page out of your book but um I am reading and have been reading for a long time um, this book called The Energy Bus by John Gordon, and um, a former colleague put me on to it, and it's just about um, having positive energy and just encouraging and praising the people around you. Um, it can be used like at work, in various organizations, with your friends, with your family, and on sports teams, and it even comes with like a um, an action, like an action plan. And it talks about writing your vision, fooling your vision with your purpose, creating a vision statement, passing this vision, you know, to your friends, family members, um, people that you supervise, you know, whoever that you're, you know, it's in your circle. Then they talk about doing, then they talk about, excuse me, doing a Zoom focus. So you write down your goals and how to make this particular vision a reality. Um, and then you have to have people, quote unquote, get on your bus. So find your squad, find your support system, your accountability partners. Um, constantly, you know, put positive energy out, praise them, encourage them. And then it tells you how to navigate the potholes, which are the challenges. So I'm like, man, this book is so short, but it's taken me a long time. And like each chapter is, um, maybe like, 20 maybe like some chapters you know 10 pages other chapters 20 pages but like it's so much information it's like a story and I'm like trying to write down all these different things I think it can mean this I think it can mean that but overall it's just about having positive people around you um you know cutting off the negative people or the gossipers or whatever you feel like is holding you back cutting cutting those people off or those things off and just always having you know, positive people and people who um, support you, you know, in your system and close by. So it's a pretty good book. So The Energy Bus by John Gordon. Um, I highly recommend that book. I like that. Yeah, so too. As, as, um, what does this podcast mean for you? And then um, if you can talk about the Black woman that you want to celebrate. Okay, I can go. Um, this podcast means a lot. You know, when I first heard about the idea, I thought, well, you know, anything that's black woman focused, I'm here for. But once I heard or listened to like the first two podcasts, I was like, if only we could all be together. When is the black women's voices uh, <laughs> conference? Cause I won't, I need to get my registration. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, we're, we, we're better together we're stronger together and you know a lot of times we can feel like especially working at a pwi i can feel like i don't see that many women that look like me and i miss that that camaraderie and that opportunity and so at least having a digital space is is something right it's it's like okay i know i can it's like going home every week you know to visit people that are like-minded and um and that get it right? Because the work is hard and 
it's overwhelming and it's tiring and it's exhausting but i think this podcast is a space for you to for you to pour into black women in student affairs and it's a podcast that like um that also can serve as like professional development right because there's things that i've learned today there's things that i've learned listening and so it really it really does mean a lot i mean having a space whether it be digital or in person is just really it's really nice to have um as black women in higher ed um and then the person that i'm celebrating is my mom so you know sticking with this theme of other mothering and mothering um her birthday she just had a birthday last week so there's that but then you know everything that i know and 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 a lot of who i am is because of my mother and and so so yeah I'm, you know i try to make sure i honor her as, as much as possible because you know once you become a mom and you know you you can learn it without becoming a mom but what i've learned as i've become a mother is how much she's sacrificed for me not just her body but like her heart and her thoughts and her you know what i mean like my mom is the type of person that's like well you know it's gonna be 99 degrees today so make sure you're hydrated make sure you, you know what i mean and i'm a you know full grown up with my own family but that never turns off and so so she is a person that i'm celebrating because i love her and you know she's my mama <laughs> so i like to say ditto to everything you said about the podcast but i just I see this podcast as people always say, you know, we always talk about having a seat at the table. Well, we don't really need a seat at the table. You all have created, we've created our own table with this podcast. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're bringing the tables, we're bringing the chairs. We have everything that we need right here at this table. And we're bringing, you know, like-minded individuals together. We're celebrating um, black women. Um, we're giving a, a voice to the voices, just creating our own platform. And I love it. And again, I'm appreciative um, of being here. So I just think this is awesome. I can't wait to see where this podcast goes in the future. Uh, and I look forward to seeing where it goes. Um, someone that I want to celebrate is a young lady. Her name is Dr. Michelle Metters. Um, she's a great friend, a big sister. She's a um, sorority sister of mine, and um, she's just one of the most giving and nurturing people that I know. Um, I actually got closer to her. Um, it was a tragic situation. Um, her husband passed, um, I guess maybe it's been about six or seven years ago now. Um, and then two years ago, um, she lost her son, her youngest son. But in the midst of tragedy and heartache, she's found love again, and she continuously pours into me. She's that friend that's not just going to always be in your corner, and she, she gets me together. Tiff, you're overreacting. Tiff, you're wrong. You know, she's encouraging. She's always praising me. I can ask her at the last minute, can you look over my cover letter, resume? Can you look over this presentation? can you look over my statement of purpose, you know, for this doc program? Like she's just, she's just a really, really great person. And um, I celebrate her because she is always so giving and, and checking on me. Um, and I tell her, I will go to bat for her um, no matter who it is, no matter what type of situation we're in, I'm always going to have her back. And I always introduce myself as her other little sister. She does have a blood sister, but I'm the other little sister. Mm -hmm. So um, Dr. Michelle Matters, my friend, my sister, and my soul. I celebrate her. Awesome. awesome. I, I, I want to say, awesome. yeah, that, oh, I, mm, so I'm full right now. Uh, but I want to, to, to thank Dr. Lander. Uh, soon to be Dr. Tuma, uh, for, for your energy, your presence, your lived experiences, um, and, and for being a mother, not only to the students that come on our campus, uh, but to your own children. Um, and I know that they, they see something in you that you, you're probably like, oh, they don't get it now. 
but you know, as, as we all know, when we get older, we get it. <laughs> we get what you sacrificed, right. we get what you did. And I think that um, you all are living proof of that it can be done. It, it can be done and you don't have to totally sacrifice. This is dope. Y'all make me want to go have a child. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time, sis. <laughs> right. You know, not a child, though. Not a child. <laughs> You know, that'll change tomorrow. Thank you for listening to episode eight of Black Women Voices. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with our guests, Dr. Tierra Lander and Tiffany Tuma. We also want to give a special shout out to Dr. Alexandria White, founder of the group Student Affairs Moms or SAMS. Check out their exclusive Facebook group dedicated to moms who work in student affairs. If this is your first time listening, please check out our first seven episodes available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Also, please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. We want this platform to reach as many people as possible. Thanks for listening, and we will chat with you soon.